When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by a front two of Dave Prentice and Adam Jones as we chew the fat of all the major talking points at Goodison Park. Front twos, I mean, that'd be a, that'd be a big will front two. Will we ever two, see that. a classic front two again? Sorry, going off on a tangent here. I think, I think we'd be... A, the classic big man, little man. I was going to You'd say, be clearly I'd be, the, I'd be the stationary centre forwards, not yeah, in the malls. I'm running really behind. The nippy inside forwards. <laughs> Ever think Silver would play a front two? Oh, um, you could argue he technically does. I think Sigurdsson tries to stick to Calvert-Lewin as much as he possibly can, especially when they're out of the ball. He very rarely like, gets inside the penalty area, though, does he? Well, so. probably should have scored against Arsenal. Yeah. That one that Richarlison pulled back sure. for him. But I think, especially off the ball, like Sigurdsson's teams seem to set up in like a four-four-two sort of yeah. sort of bank with Sigurdsson coming up alongside Calvert Lewin. So I don't know, like maybe if we were in the few years in the future to see Sigurdsson drop out the side, then maybe we'd maybe we'd see that come in. Maybe we'll see it next season if Sigurdsson's rested. But Jeez. neither of us are getting a nod. Anyway, we digress there. Tactical discussion for another time. Uh, today's podcast, we will be feasting on the relegation carcass at Fulham after they've been relegated to the championship uh, with five games to go. We discuss and debate if there's any players worth trying to cherry pick from Craven Cottage. Uh, Silver is a Remainer. He's pro-Europe yesterday. He described how the club need to be in Europe every season and take the opportunity. And it is a massive part of taking the club forward. So I'll get the lads' feelings on Marco's uh, declaration yesterday. And, you know, the strongest sign of success may come next, uh, uh, the weekend. A victory at Craven Cottage will take Everton on to 49 points, which, of course, is the same number of points that the club managed last season, but an improved goals return and what looks like a better defensive record looks like signs for Silva to say this season has been an improvement on the last one. Um, Preno, which of the Fulham players in this relegated squad of theirs would you think is worth looking at? I'm not sure there are all that many, to be honest. Um, relegated clubs has been quite a, a, a rich seam of players for Liverpool in recent <clears throat> seasons. You know, they've uh, successfully brought Shakiri in here when Stoke went down. Uh, Andy Robertson was a spectacularly good capture from Hull. But, you know, those kind of successes are few and far between. Uh, those clubs have been relegated for a reason, you know, because, you know, they're, they're not good enough uh, for the Premier League. And Fulham did spend quite heavily for a promoted club uh, at the start of the season. £100 million, pounds, yeah. Absolutely. More um, than us. Yeah, uh, clearly it wasn't very wisely spent. <laughs> Um, Ryan Sessegnon's the one that everybody will automatically say because, you know, he's a guy that's caught the eye for a long time and does have quality. Thankfully, he didn't have that quality at Goodison Park when he rattled the crossbar from about eight yards when he should have mm. put Fulham ahead at Goodison Park earlier in the season. Uh, but clearly that's a position Everton don't need strengthening. Uh, Lucas Dean has been excellent, you know, so in the left, Leighton Baines, you know, still may or may not have 
Um, I left wing a little bit more. He's been playing season, further forward, but again, you know, Bernard is like our mm. golden boy at the moment. So long term, though, you know, with with the being totally realistic, you know, th- there is a distinct possibility that should we not progress as as he maybe would want at his career, Luca Dean would be, you know, lined up by the big boy, so to speak. So saying mm. an alternative reality in eighteen months' time, we have to sell him. Yeah. Baines, he still wouldn't be at the club. Possibly, you know, he he would be uh, pushing on. You know, Ryan Sessegnon is it still as a teenager. You know, is he possibly yeah, in the future? He fits the age model, doesn't he? That Marcel Brands has talked about. Uh, you know, he would have you know value. You know, so going forward financially as, as well as quality. And yeah, I like him as a player. You know, he looks uh, he looks the part. I'm just not so sure that's a priority at the moment. I think there are other areas that the uh, the club needs to invest in. I mean. Uh, it's not a squad that's absolutely littered with talent. I mean, Mitrovic, you know, centre forward is is useful. You know, he puts himself about. You know, but again, is he good long term? I'm, I'm not so sure he is. Is he ticking the box of Marco's striker wish list that he, he revealed to us the other week? You know, does he do enough of those things? No, he doesn't. Um, you know, so Calvert Lewin automatically looks you know so more mobile, more athletic. You know, so offers more potential. I think. Mitrovic is a bit more in the Cheng Tosin mould, I would say, that kind of striker. Um, I don't really see that much to answer the question. You know, so Sessegnon is possibly worth looking at, but I'd like to think that Marcel Brands and Marco Silva have other targets around Europe that are possibly even more exciting, you know, so more of a long-term option than that. Mm. Adam, you, you have got somebody different that you think that would be worth uh, potentially pursuing. Mm, yeah, I do I do agree with Preno on uh, Sessegnon. I think he's the one who instantly stands out, but... Uh, the one I'm thinking of, like it's probably not based on his form this season because I don't think he's pulled up many trees in particular this season. But John Seddy, mm. who like it was a real surprise that he even went to Fulham last See, it summer. It seemed a coup considering the clubs that were being linked. With he only had the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea were quite Manchester regularly United, Barcelona exactly so so regularly linked with him because of it, how well he was performing at Nice. And I think his performances there have shown me that he can't do. A really good job in that centre midfield position. Hopefully, like hopefully, a season in the Premier League in in general will do him quite good. Like he'll, he'll have bulked up a little bit, bit more physical uh, now. But I think he could easily fill a role in that central midfield forever. And especially when we've got questions over the future of Idrissa Guy, you know, getting linked to Man United now, which is a bit of a strange one. But you know, if if Everton do need to search for a replacement for Guy, then you know, said he could surely be an option. He'd be a bit cheaper now that Fulham have gone down and pre- presumably he's got some sort of relegation clause in his contract. So he'll be on the move this summer. So he's worth a look. No greater show of faith in your new club than inserting a relegation clause <laughs> in the contract. <laughs> um, just, just, let's just pick up on Guy, actually. It wasn't on the on the agenda, but you, you, you rightly bring it up, Ad. Can you see him? Can you see Manchester United wanting Guy? Are you concerned by that? Do you think... Do you think we're going to be able to keep him if, if that's if that's the club's intention? Of course. Uh, well, firstly, I can see them wanting him. Like, I, I wouldn't see why any of the top clubs in the Premier League or like in world football wouldn't want a player like Idrissa Guy. Like, in current form, exactly. Over the last few over the last few years, he's proven to be an incredible player in that defensive midfield position. You know, he come come to Everton. You know, just. Uh, just after N'Golo Kante had made that position quite famous for Leicester in their title-winning campaign. But I think Idrissa Guy's gone on to make that position his own and he's arguably in the best form of his Everton career at the minute. I think he's 
doing much more with the ball at his feet than I've ever seen him do uh, for Everton. I think playing alongside someone like Andre Gomez has really helped him in that respect. So with the way football is at the minute, it's a very short-term game. I think it his age doesn't really factor into it for me. Like If, if I'm Man United, I'm looking at a 29-year-old uh, midfielder who's at, the, at his peak, you're thinking, right, we need short-term, we need to be challenging for the title next couple of seasons. Idrissa Guy is a man who can mm. help Manchester United do that. Whether we can keep him or not is is another question. It depends if the right if the right offer comes it in comes for down him. To, to brass exactly. Tacks, exactly. Uh, Man United would need to offer a whole lot more than PSG offered in January because yes. PSG's offer was nowhere near good enough in my opinion. And derisory, say, <laughs> say in this business, don't we? And uh, Man United are, at the end of the day, a Premier League rival. Like Everton should be looking at Manchester United, especially in the position they've been over the last year or so. And they should be have ambitions to go. Yeah, we can, we can catch them over the next couple of seasons. Why not? So to sell to sell to Manchester United would take a lot of money, in my opinion. I'd, I'd be saying 40, 45 million easy and because it's going to cost a lot of money to try and get a replacement and who's going to be able to play as well as him I was just going to say we started this conversation about signing players from relegated clubs Guy is that he came to us from Villa absolutely yeah and he was uh, his form now is as good as it was in his first you know so two or three months of his Everton career when he absolutely blew us all away and had everyone talking about you know what a bargain signing he would be um, we sh- endorse what Adam said there. We should be looking to, you know, so target Manchester United, who are currently was a sixth in the Premier League. But equally, they are targeting Liverpool and Manchester City. Me and Ali Gunnar Solskjaer gave a press conference this morning where he talked about uh, City and Liverpool being, you know, so far ahead of where they would like you know, to be at the moment. And therefore, ruthless decisions will need to be taken this summer. And whether that ruthless decision would mean, you know, so shedding some of you know their midfield talent and bringing in the likes of Gay, I'm not so sure. I think they'd be looking, you know, so even bigger and better than that. And, you know, I'm not trying to damn Guy with faint praise here because I do think he has been absolutely outstanding since his deal went sour in January. Attitude, absolutely mm-hmm. top class. But there are probably, you know, so even better, you know, more rounded, you know, so talents out there. And I just took that ruthlessness to suggest, you know, so other areas of the the United setup, notably up front, you know, um, Lukaku is one I've mentioned there many, many times, you know, so is he really good enough for a team that wants to be, you know, so playing for the, the Premier League title, which City do? And, you know, so I'm not sure maybe he is, you know, so I think maybe he could have been hinting at that area. Who knows? Um... Bottom line is the guy probably will be, you know, so attracting offers in the uh, in the summer, and whether Everton have you know other irons in the fire lined up, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know if you recall, Prem, when we did, and Adam, you were uh, there, of course, when we did the Royal Blue Live event um, in February. Uh, uh, a gentleman in the audience asked, I think, I think I feel did the question about signing players from relegated clubs and 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 saying, you know. Do you, and you're concerned about their mentality. We spoke about Pickford. He yeah. came from a relegated club. Guy came from a relegated relegated club. Zuma went down last season uh, with Stoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you got any issues? I mean, I, I my argument was well, actually if you look at Pickford, he's good enough. Zuma's won stuff. You know, blah blah yeah. blah. What's your feeling on on general? Nah, not whatsoever. I mean, Phil Jagielka came from Sheffield United when they were relegated. Um, 
It depends on the individual, I think, and the size of the football club they have come from. Mm. I don't think it matters as to, you know, where they have been in the Premier League, you know, set up. I'm just thinking scale of club can make such a difference to players that come in. I've heard it so many times from players that not realising how big a football club is, so how big a football club Everton is, and, uh, you know, the expectation that the fans place upon them, you know, 40,000 sellouts every single week, uh, the demands, you know, the, the, the exposure, because the so-called top four, you know, your, your Arsenal, City, Man United, Liverpool, seem to attract such a Sky TV focus or BT Sport focus. Bigger clubs outside that uh, little band tend to not get quite the same, you know, sort of spotlight as they should be getting, but that doesn't lessen their size of a football club. And a player that comes in can be caught unawares and think, wow, you know, I wasn't expecting quite this level of scrutiny. I wasn't expecting this to be quite so pressurised. I think that has the biggest issue. And it all, it's all down to the player's mentality then, whether they can handle that, you know, that, that scale of football club. Jordan Pickford has proved that he can. You know, Garner Gay has proved that he can. <laughs> Um, you know, Pickford, we've talked many times about the issues with his mentality and clearly there's still work to be done. But, you know, confidence isn't something he lacks. He can handle it. Um, so it, it depends on the club that you're buying these players from. You know, a Fulham, who we mentioned before, with a fellow who's, you know, so being playing at one of London's, you know, so less celebrated clubs. Genteel. You know, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, be taken by surprise by the uh, the focus that would place them if he came to Everton. I suspect he would be. Mm. So that's got to be something that's taken into account when you're targeting and you're scouting players like that. Last, last sort of transaction between the club, top of my head would be Heisinger going from Goodison to Fulham. Think of any others? Oh, wow. Um, Ronnie Goodless went to Fulham all those years ago. Thomas, re- Thomas Radzinski. Yeah, so no more recent than Heitinger. So maybe nah. the indication of, of, of what Prenner was saying, yeah. Adam, in terms of making the leap from Fulham to Everton rather than the other direction could potentially be too much for the majority of players. So coming back to what we were talking about, mm. does you know, would the football club say we were interested in Sessignon? Would that be something they'd have to think about? I, I think it's something that they've absolutely got to think about and it it does come down to like the scouting of players, as Preno said. I think probably one of the only one of the only success stories that Steve Walsh really had at his time at Everton was Idrissa Guy mm-hmm. and how well how well he was scouted. Because you know it, it it's not easy for any player to get relegated from the Premier League, and you've got to. It was good that Steve Walsh identified Guy's you know statistics as standout. Like he is he is different from everybody. At, at Aston Villa at that time. And there's so many factors that can link to a club getting relegated. It's never just down to one player. And there's always going to be players who are different and who break the mould. So there will be players in that Fulham squad who are going to be different and they do break the mould. And I think Ryan Sessegnon could potentially be one of them. You know, he's played for England's youth teams all the way through his career. Yeah, absolutely. Part of the 21s, isn't he? Exactly. So he's had... You know, he was linked to the likes of Liverpool and Spurs in the summer as well before he signed a new contract mm. with Fulham. So, you know, I think he's used to having that sort of increased amount of pressure on him as a lot of young English talents are these days. You know, we're seeing the likes of hudson Adoy and Jadon Sancho ripping it up for the senior team now. You know, it, it it's starting to be younger and younger that these players have this increased amount of pressure on them. I think Calvert-Lewin's now starting to thrive with that amount of pressure on him. So... Sessegnon, I think, in particular, would would be able to make that step up, but I think Breno's right. There are a, there are a lot of there are a lot of factors that play into this, and I think the size the size difference between Fulham and Everton is a bit of a chasm, really, and a lot of players won't realise that. 
the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Interesting. So we uh, will get a first-hand view and look at some of those players anyway tomorrow at Craven Cottage. Uh, moving on, Michael Silver is adamant that Everton should be in Europe every season. He says it's important that European football is at Goodison in order to develop the team and push the players forward. Preno, uh, you're, you will be fully in agreement with the manager's sentiment, I imagine. Yeah, it, it's it's like referencing the old Mandy Rice Davis comments, isn't it? You would expect him to say that, or he would say that, wouldn't he? But equally, I, I totally agree. You know, so a club of Everton's stature, we've just been talking about size of football clubs, can't be saying, oh, no, no, you know, so <clears> it's, <throat> it's a demand that we can't handle for one year. We need to be out of Europe to allow the manager to, you know, sort of get his philosophy across a little bit more effectively. Absolute nonsense. You know, so Everton should be in Europe. You know, they should be targeting Europe. Look at Arsenal, you know, so absolutely bouncing last night, having beaten Napoli. You know, look at Chelsea, you know, so flying, you know, where it's Slavia Prague. You know, they're clubs that take, you know, the Europa League seriously, as you should, and uh, as should Everton. Um, again, it reflects on the size of the club sometimes, your attitude to Europe. Uh, I'm thinking of... Uh, a former Everton manager of this parish and the um, you know the, the team selections he sent out when Bolton Wanderers you know so sort of gone into Europe and effectively basically you know, gave up well, that's, that's on the competition sorry to Jack Brown it's really interesting I was, I was going to ask you do you think nationality of the manager has an impact on their viewpoint of, of Europa League because privately before Marco had made this declaration um, at the press conference yesterday of the week he'd, he'd said pretty much the same to me that you know he said that the Europa League is vital we need to be in it we need to be in Europe blah 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 and obviously said it publicly yesterday Kuman wanted to be in Europe regardless Silva wants to be in Europe but Allardyce had said to me during the final sort of few weeks of his reign, nah, we can't do, we can do without it next season. Too much of a hassle. We need a season without it. Do you think in England and English coaches maybe, we've got this negative view of Europa League and actually we think, oh, can't be doing with that. Whereas on the continent, everybody's thinking, this is a massive opportunity. You've got to be in it. 100%. And it's not just coaches, it's, uh, it's supporters sometimes as well. Um, you know, Unai Emery made his reputation uh, at Sevilla as being, you know, sort of a Europa League specialist, a European specialist. You know, he, he coached them to two successive finals and got his job at Arsenal as a result. It's a big deal. I mean, the UEFA Cup was always a massive deal in this country. Yeah. Winning that was arguably more difficult than the, uh, the, the European Cup back in the day because of the the increased competition in the days when the European Cup was only champions of each particular country. It was seen as a huge trophy. And UEFA got it wrong with the, the, the reorganisation of the competition, you know, calling it the Europa League, uh, you know, with the Champions League being the more celebrated competition. It became a secondary competition, certainly in this country. And then, you know, the Thursday night, the, you know, uh, scheduling, the messing around with the fixtures... Uh, the fact that, you know, so ITV4 was screening it rather than, you know, so Sky RBC, everything just contributed to being seen as a lesser competition amongst the supporters and amongst some clubs, but not managers because, you know, it's a trophy and, and they realise, you know, so how prestigious it is in Spain, in Italy, in, in France. Uh, it's strange that, you know, so we don't seem to have embraced it quite the same way in this country. And I'm pleased that Marco Silva is treating it as seriously as he should do. Because, you know, getting Everson into Euro European competition gets your name out there, it gets your club known throughout Europe even more. So you become 
more and more accepted as one of the bigger boys, if you like, in Europe. And, you know, the sooner Everton are back in European competition, the better. The, the club develops as a result. Of course, it's tough. Of course, it places massive demands on the squad. But that's what, you know, so big clubs do. They actually handle those, uh, those problems and overcome them and become bigger and stronger as a result. How do, you th- do you therefore, do you agree that we have to, next time hopefully we'll, we, we will qualify this season and then head into the summer in, in, in the Europa League, do you think we have to get past the idea, therefore, that it could have, you know, at certain periods, a detrimental effect on the league form? And do we have to accept that, you know, there will be seasons in Europe when it doesn't work out like last season and we crash out of the group stage? But for the long term, that's all part of the growing process. As long as we get back in it the season after, get up, go again. You know, do you, do you think, think the fan base is willing to accept that there will be those potentially huge fluctuations in, in success in Europe? Um, yeah, I, th- I think the fan base will have to accept it. I think we've seen, well, we've definitely seen fluctuations in form this season and, you know, we've seen Farhad Mashiri in particular stand firm when the pressure looked like it was perhaps maybe getting a little bit too much for Silva a few a few months ago and he's been now rewarded with that, with Silva coming out and saying what he said. Like, I... I've said on this podcast a few weeks ago, I didn't particularly want Everton to be in Europe, but I'm very pleased that Silver has come out and said what he said because, you know, Silver's said there, uh, Preno said there, sorry, that Silver, you know, he would say that, but he didn't have to say that. He, he, could, he could have dodged the question quite easily. He could have said, look, we're just trying to finish as high as we can in the table, blah, blah, blah. He didn't need to mention Europe at all, but he... In doing that, he showed a massive amount of faith in the players that he's got already here and with how well he's going to recruit in the summer and then progress Everton uh, for next season. He's not worried. He's not concerned about, you know, last last season being in the Europa League so early, I think, killed us. Like, preparing for those games against Rizombaroch and Hadjuk split uh, before the season had even started, you know, it's... it's it, it ruined it ruins the the first half of the season, and then you know you've got performances like the one away to Atalanta in in particular, and that's just completely demoralising, and it ruined it ruined the whole season, I think. So it's good that Silver is already preparing for this, like even even if it doesn't come off, even if you know even if Everton do finish seventh, we might not get there course, if, yeah. if if Watford uh, do the impossible and beat Man City in the FA Cup final. But you know, I think it's good that Silver has this ambition because this is what you want from your Everton manager at the end of the day. You want him to have this sort of ambition. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't want to just sit on his laurels, be pragmatic and say, oh, we could do without it. And, you know, let's just see where we can finish in the league this season, uh, next season. Well, no, every, every Everton fan wants Everton to be at least going on a cup run for every single trophy, if not getting to finals and winning every single trophy the, the, the club's involved in. So... It, it's really good to finally have an Everton manager on board who thinks, yeah, that that is that is where the club should be. It's about it's about ambition, isn't it? You know mm. it, what you said there, Phil, about uh, you know Sam Allardyce saying that you know quite realistically you, you could argue if you're trying to be positive that the club you know so wasn't in a position to handle that. That kind of mindset, if you're saying that you know sort of media will focus will, will filter down, and other areas of the club will be thinking the same way, and they'll be thinking, well, you know, we possibly don't need to win this game, or we can we can take our foot off the pedal a little bit in this training session because that game doesn't mean as much. 
Um, it's just wrong, you know. So you've got to be absolutely switched on, you know. So in every single game nowadays, you've got to be as ambitious as possible. Uh, I think Marco Silva's finding it out this season, you know, um, his, his team selection earlier in the uh, the season, you know, so in, in the Carabao Cup. You know, raised a few eyebrows and, you know, he got his fingers burned. The FA Cup was quite the opposite. We're not in the FA Cup, not because the team selection was wrong, but because couldn't defend set pieces. <laughs> uh, but I think he's, you know, he, he's learning, you know, sort of about the, the ambition that should exist at a football club like Everton. And that has been, we should be targeting every single trophy out there. Could the current squad have fared better than the previous one in Europa League football? The squad, the squad that we have right now, that was compiled in the summer, would that have fared better than the 17-18 squad under Koeman that had the worst, the quickest exit of any English club Oof. in the Europa League? Um, in terms of quality, yes, it's a better squad. It's more balanced. It seems to have a little bit more, uh, you know, quality about it. But depth-wise, no, it's not got the depth, you know, sort to handle a, a squad in Europe. And I think if Everson do qualify for Europe, they'll be aware of that and they'll know they've got to bring in, you know, bodies in a number of positions. Mm. The, and this, this is one of the issues, though, isn't it? On the counter side, so everything that we've said about Europe and being in, ambitious and being in there, we're trying to reduce the size of our squad. Yeah. Mm. You know, Marcel Brands will be tasked with offloading players again in the summer, reducing a wage bill. But if we're in Europe, and you rightly say, Preno, we need the bodies. Yeah. So It's a type of body though, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, it's like experienced players who are on big sums of money. Yeah. You know, Yannick Balassi, Ashley Williams, uh, you know, Kukumatina, Moranas, you know, players like that. The players that you do want are... The the younger elements of those players, like Nikola Vlasic's, you know, Henry Onyekudo, I know I've not got a work permit yet. But, you know, so players like that, that, you know, so offer potential and offer development possibilities going forward. They're the players that, you know, you want around, that you can rotate, you can bring in and out. And I suspect we probably wouldn't be seeing as many players sent out on loan next season if Everton are in the Europa League. Uh, it, it's a big if, obviously, which is why we're not hearing too much about, you know, so pertinent transfer plans just yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, so still lots of things to be finalised. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. You know, so if Everton do get into the Europa League, you know, it just creates such a knock-on effect about, you know, so a number of other parts of the club uh, that need to be addressed. It's, it's an exciting possibility. It's a very difficult one, though, f- f- for any manager. And potentially, of course, we'll wait and see for Silver because if Preno says, look, you know, maybe use the <coughs> younger element of your squad... But say we were in Europe and we travelled to, I don't know, Belarus for a group game and thousands of fans had spent loads of money going over, back in the team, and Marco picks a team full of kids and we get turned over mm. against, you know, a wily, seasoned, you know, streetwise team that have been in the Europa League a few times. That creates issues, doesn't it? And that's mm. that's that's pressure and... and, and, and um, Ill feeling, if you like, that no manager needs mm. yet. It's it's striking that balance, which is the issue for me. It it is all about striking the balance, and I think perhaps the example of Arsenal this week is is the big one. Like I, I get the feeling that Unai Emery might have rested a few players against Everton to try and then beat Napoli in midweek. You know, he struck that balance. You know, the interesting prioritizing the, the other way, which is exactly yeah. prioritizing the Europa League rather than rather than the Premier League in the current position that they're in. Uh, a bold move because they're in contention for the Champions League, though. But it, Does he, win it, winning the Europa League gets you a Champions League place and a trophy. Mm. I think if I was in that position, I'd want to, I'd want to pre- uh, prioritize actually winning a trophy. And I think going back to your point about whether this squad could cope with the Europa League, I think it all depends on circumstance. If it was this squad at the start of the season, then no, because 
Andre Gomez wasn't fit. Yeri Mina wasn't fit. Bernard wasn't fit. Uh, Kurt Zuma hadn't really had a preseason. You know, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of... wasn't the player he is now. Yeah. Exactly. With the, with the squad in the position that it currently stands, I think, yes. Because it, it, the, the reason you have a big squad is not so that you can ch- completely change your team. Like... In the, in the space of a few days. It's just so that you've got quality bodies in there if there is the case that somebody just desperately needs a rest or somebody's injured. I'd, li- I'd like to think that this squad now could play Thursday, Sunday, essentially every week. You know, years years and years gone by, previous Everton squads, you know, there was no, there was no you know, rest and players for different sorts of competitions. You know, you just you go out and pick your best 11 to try and win every game. And I think that's got to be the priority for Everton moving forward. And I think that might be another reason why we're targeting these sort of younger, more energised sort of players who can... I wouldn't doubt that Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the way he's playing at the minute, could play every four days. And, and and he'd be absolutely fine. I think it's I think he'd sleep for the rest of the week, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a great shot that some players do have, you know, so better records in terms of you know c- consistency fitness wise uh, just that's that's why we got away with you know sort of Romelu Lukaku you know sort of being Emerson centre forward for so long mm. because he was never ever injured mm. uh, he was always available and he could play in Europa League and the following Sunday which he did regularly uh, you know that needs to be looked at when you're scouting players as well as their quality their fitness record and their ability to you know to avoid injury well I mean I can't remember it ever being an issue when we were regularly in Europe under David Moyes I can't remember the yeah. really like apart from the odd games where he, you know, literally did play all the kids because we were already through a group. Batu Borisovic. Yeah, yeah, but I, I can't, I can't remember there being any sort of like issues or conversations going. Oh, he's rested loads of players for this Premier League game, or yeah. he's rested loads of players for this uh, UEFA Cup game. Like every, I, I, I think he just played the best eleven. He did, every, yeah. Every, it, every time. It, it didn't suffer that many injury crises. I remember Tony Hibbers having to play centre-half once. In, in, in Greece. In Greece. Yeah. And uh, Benfica, I remember that particularly well because oh, I was yeah. ill myself over there with flu. Shamey made his debut. But Seamus yeah. Cullen made his debut at left-back against Angel Di Maria. Good luck with that one. Michael, did mm. I mentioned that to Michael the other day. Actually, he hadn't, he hadn't realised. I think he may have watched that game and yeah. then forgotten that it was Coleman's debut. It was, it was God, yeah. Crikey, but yeah. I remember speaking to David Moyes at the, uh, at the, the carousel, picking up the baggage uh, on the way out there. And he was really, really angry at uh, Joseph Yobo's demeanour in the build-up to that. You know, so he felt that he could have played in that game, and it wouldn't push himself through the pain barrier. He had some kind of head problem, he had a bang on the head, and you know, it, it soured his relationship a little bit with that player. Wouldn't get cooped through but, uh, concussion protocols these days. No, you wouldn't. But you know, <laughs> he was, that, that was what he expected that of his players. You know, to actually push yourself, you know, so as hard as you possibly could. He was a very demanding manager. And uh, he didn't think that the player had pushed himself as far as he could do in that instance. But it, it, it just underlines the fact it didn't happen very often. That, you know, so the players that he scouted and he picked for Everton tended to have, you know, so good, good injury records. I mean, Joni and Lescott, there was a lot and lot of, um, you know, so eyebrows raised about Everton bringing him in because he'd missed an entire season with Wolves uh, with a knee injury. And I think Everton were a little bit, you know, concerned. They actually pushed the boat out, you know, with that one more than they would have done normally. Anyway, they were rewarded because, course, you know, his record, yeah. you know, his consistency after that was excellent. But yeah, it, it seems to be something that the, is taken into account when you're buying players. And, you know, so clearly that would be the case, uh, you would imagine at the moment now with Marcel Brands and Marco Silva. So just before we leave the European debate, 
What about us trying to assign players? How much of a um, appeal and a factor is is there? You know, how much of a difference does it make between us being able to offer a transfer target Europa League football, albeit in the qualification stages, and not being able to attract? I I don't think it matters at all. Like the cynic, the cynic in me is convinced that money is the only thing that really matters these days in football, especially when you know players are trying to join a Premier League side. They know all the money's in the Premier League, you know, it's the richest division in the world, sort of thing. So you're saying the, the priority list would go Champions League, Premier League, money, Europa League, almost, Essentially. in terms of what, what's what's important to a player? I, I, I genuinely think yes. And I think if, if, if we didn't, if we weren't to get into Europe this season, I don't think it would significantly hamper us in trying to sign targets ahead of next season. I think last summer proved that perfectly. Absolutely. You know, we signed... Signed some absolutely quality players there without being able to promise them immediate European football. Like we've we've sold them essentially the project that we've got li- lined up, and I think that could absolutely be the case again. You know, it, it makes it might make Marcel Brands's job a tiny bit more difficult in t- in terms of scouting certain players, but I think Brand Brands is absolutely prepared for either scenario, and I think it it, it shouldn't really matter if we don't get into Europe or not. Would it matter to you? If we didn't get into Europe or... In terms, no, of, I mean, in terms like, of you, if, if Everton approached If you I was a player play, looking to sign for Everton Football they said, Club... Right, well, for X amount of wages, five-year deal, <clears> we'll sell you the project, you know, yeah. you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. We can't offer you any European football, I'm afraid. Are you going, sorry, see you later? No, I think Adam's spot on there. It makes absolutely not one iota of difference to the modern footballer. Because of what we articulated earlier about the Champions League and the Europa League and the, d- the differences between the two... Uh, UEFA have got this split now whereby the Champions League is the absolute stellar competition and the Europa League is very much the second division as advertised by the uh, the financial rewards on offer for each competition you get money for you know progress in the Europa League but it's absolutely dwarfed compared to the money that you get in the Champions League so no I don't think players would shrug the shoulders at all you know so at that situation uh, it's as Adam says it's about Champions League it's about Premier League it's about you know the, the club themselves it's about the salary you're offered as we unfortunately discovered with Olivier Giroud, it's geography sometimes as well. <laughs> you know, if, if you've got the opportunity to, you know, to live in London area. Your other half. Exactly, yeah. That seems to make more of a difference than living in the beautiful Northwest. Um, so, no, I don't think Europa League qualification would help us sign any players. Okay, uh, moving on to the third and final part of today's podcast. Uh, for long spells of the season, Michael Silver was absolutely consistent in only saying his target for the season was to do better than the previous 12 months. He left it open into interpretation. Obviously, now he has sort of relaxed that and he has said that seventh place and therefore European football is the target. But in terms of what's on the table, Marco and Everton could be bettering last term with a victory uh, at Fulham tomorrow. That would take us level on points, Adam, for last season. Mm-hmm. Already scored more goals mm-hmm. and current ratio will end the season having conceded less. Mm-hmm. Um in all, in every department, has it been a better season than last? Yeah, and I think it goes back to it goes back to something that Gav, who's not here today, has said a lot of times on this podcast. Like he only wanted at the end of this season to see progression, and I think Everton on the pitch in particular have progressed massively. And the last few weeks have only gone to show that. And you know, obviously there was that dip in form over the winter. A lot of different factors have gone into that, but I think. The way Marco Silva has managed to turn the club around since then has been admirable, really. And 
going into the like especially that Arsenal game like played a team who you rightly said before are challenging for a Champions League place played them off the pitch he didn't have a chance like he has one half chance when Ramsey skied one over the bar that was essentially the bet the best that it got for them and you know it's been so long that you could sit there as an Everton fan and say wow we absolutely battered that <laughs> top four team there and Everton absolutely did and 1-0 just didn't justify uh, how well Everton dominated that game at all and I think that it, that does like you compare that with some of the performances that we were putting in towards the end of last season you know we were getting wins like the one that always sticks out to me is the away game against Huddersfield you know it was a 2-0 win it was it was a fine three points but remember Allardyce coming into the press room after that beaming with a big smile and he was like oh I don't know why the fans were booing me <laughs> because we had two chances and we scored them like mm. that that was, that was essentially it you know it was a relegation threatened Huddersfield team who very nearly did it did us in the second half you know they were putting on all the pressure second half it took a 25 yards from Guy to put us 2-0 two, two up. You know, it was just it was just turgid. It was just dire. You know, you saw all the stats. You know, it was we'd be 19th or 20th in terms of chances. It's an absolute disgrace when you, when you think back at it as an Everton fan. So to see that bigger progression in such a short period of time, I think Silver does deserve a lot of credit. And I'm not saying that this season has been good in any way shape or form I still think this has been in general a disappointing campaign because of obviously what happened over December January February you know those kind of results just can't be ignored at the end of the day especially exiting the FA Cup mm. to Millwall and you know exiting the League Cup in such disappointing circumstances as well you know there's there are going to be things that hang over this season as disappointments but I think in terms of progression on the pitch it is much, much better to see. It's much better to watch. Goodison's a much better place to actually sit in and, you know, experience a football game in now. So, yeah, it, it's a good building block for next season, absolutely. And to to hopefully be able to better last season in terms of points in hopefully the next two games, mm. that'll, be, that'll be really big. I often think back to the... Uh the quotes that Jurgen Klopp came out with after the uh, the devastation of that, you know, so Anfield derby defeat. And okay, it's easy to be magnanimous, you know, so when you've you know won a game in such fashion. But the way he spoke about Everton and the job Marco Silva was doing, you know, at Goodison Park really did resonate. Uh, top of my head, I can't remember exactly what he said, but basically he was just absolutely blown away with the progress that had been made in such a short period of time in all areas of the pitch. And he was having a little dig at Sam Allardyce as well, who'd been to Anfield and got a result, you know, playing fairly, you know, turgid, one-dimensional, you know, so dull football. And, you know, Everton going to Anfield and being as progressive as they were, you could argue... Um, allowed Liverpool that little chink of light right at the end of the game to steal the game but equally if Everton are ever going to go to Anfield and win a match they'll win it playing the kind of football that Marco Silva is serving up rather than what Sam Allardyce was serving up so that resonated and yeah we had the dip for two or three months after that but we're getting back again now uh, to that style and that quality of football I remember uh, what you said last week Adam about uh, every Everton manager has that one 
you know, statement performance against Arsenal. Uh, you know, Wayne Rooney had it with the, with the Wayne yeah. Rooney uh, winner. Ronald Koeman had it with the last minute Ashley Williams header. Roberto Martinez had it with the 3-0 romp that, you know, we thought was going to get Everton into the Champions League. And you could argue that this was Marco Silva's statement performance because it was against a good side who were on a decent run of form who needed to win. And Everton didn't just win, they blew them away, you know, so, and the, the plaudits they got from Everton fans, not from the national media, who put it down to Arsenal having an off day, um, were fully deserved. So that all points that this is a, you know, a progressive project that's going in the right direction. You know, football, it's a results business, of course it is, but it's also an entertainment. You go there for a release, you know, you go there for to be entertained, and Everton fans currently are being, they're seeing the kind of football that they want to see from an Everton team, and Marco Silva's delivering that. Consistency is the next, uh, you know, sort of issue. He's got to try and you know, so get that level of football and that quality of performance on a regular basis, and he's doing it at the moment. But he's got to keep doing it at the end of the season. But it's going in the right direction. Indeed, um, excellent stuff, chaps. Uh, so the customary predictions: um, Adam Fulham Football Club versus Everton, Saturday three o'clock, Craven Cottage. What will the score be? If Everton put in the kind of performance that they did against Arsenal in terms of creating chances, but actually put them away this time, <laughs> then. I think Fulham could really be in for a long afternoon. So I'm going to go big and say a 4 0 win. <laughs> I could be up there with the biggest predictions in terms big. of goal difference we've ever had. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, I was going to go five. Um, <laughs> Got a one up me, haven't you? No, to be honest, it should, it should be. Wounded it could, animal, though. It, it should be, it could be. But we just haven't been ruthless enough or clinical enough, uh, even during this really good run of performances, to achieve that kind of result. It should have been four or five at West Ham, and, and it wasn't. Uh, it could have been two or three at Arsenal, and it wasn't. And did you see the, uh, not that I even pretend to understand those expected goal statistics, <laughs> but, you know, Sunday night against Arsenal, expected goals. Everton were like 2.5 or something. Arsenal were 0.2. You know, so Everton should have absolutely buried them. And I think I can see something similar again at Fulham. You know, I think the attitude will be fine. I think the uh, pr- preparation will be fine. We'll go out there and dominate. But yeah, Fulham will be wounded. OK, they've gone down, but they've got a point to make in front of their supporters. I think Everton will win 2-0. I think it should be more. We'll probably see a few missed chances. 2-0 and dare I predict another Bernard goal? Ooh. Yeah, go on, Bernard will score. <laughs> oh. Excellent, yeah, I'm in agreement. I think it'll be 2-0. I think, you know, I, th- I, think, I think we're right in that you sense that somebody should be getting a hiding off us, mm. but perhaps we're uh, typical uh, of our lot. We can't quite take our, ourselves that far apart from Adam of course he's pretty 4-0 so anyway let's hope it is Ambitious, four, aren't I? yeah let's hope it is 4-0 and uh, we come away with another three points Marco Silva hopefully taking Everton to match last season's tally 49 and then moving on to bettering that performance and that tally uh, thank you very much for listening you remember you can rate review and subscribe to us on iTunes and the Acast app so please do to, please do all comments and subscriptions most welcome. You have been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.